Whatever. Um, um, so, we, we, you, members of our church, what you can do, and if you're a guest today and you're coming back next week, which we'll see after this, um, uh, what you can do next week just to be helpful is when you come in, fill in all the front rows uh, uh, first. I know I'm not going to get Tyler, so Tyler, disregard this announcement. Everyone else, next Sunday, if you can just fill in as, as much as you can to the front so that when we, uh, Lord willing, have guests and visitors coming in. Uh, they don't have to make the walk of shame down. They can just uh, pop in the back. Okay? All right. Acts 10. Um, Peter began to speak uh, I, to a group of Gentiles who have just... Acts is awesome. Uh, I understand that God doesn't show favoritism in regard to Jew or Gentile, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right... Uh, is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus the Messiah. He's Lord of all. You guys, you know the events that took place throughout all Judea, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. I was waiting on Max there. There he was. Yep. Um, because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything that he did in the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised this man up on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all people, but by us whom God has appointed as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And then 42, what we have to have in our guts. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. This is God's word. Um, So this week, nine-year-olds Evelyn Dekaus, William Kinney, Hallie Scruggs, and adults Catherine Kuntz, Cynthia Peake, and Mike Hill were murdered in a Christian school by a deranged young woman named Audrey Hale. That was Monday. I know we moved past it by Wednesday. It was Monday. Um, and it's not the first time something like this has happened. And it's not the last time, unfortunately, that something like this will happen. Wicked people kill righteous people every day. Wicked people kill wicked people every day. In all nations of the earth. It's been this way um, since Cain and Abel. Right? It's not on... Okay. Um, But this one hits a little bit different because, one, these were Christians uh, in the U.S. of A. who were killed because they were Christians. And uh, therefore, they are martyrs and are due uh, so much honor um, from God's people um, and and have so much value in um, God's sight, as all martyrs do. Like At the end, we're just going to look at them and go, oh, my God. so that hits a little different because it's been, you know, Nashville's our, our home. And second, it hit different because I wrote, worked on this um, down the hallway from our Christian school, uh, Little Sprouts. And so uh, as I've thought about these things, prayed throughout the week, uh, it's just pressed on me even more uh, how important it is that we have a firm grasp of the gospel message. Okay, and that we take the gospel seriously and we take church and whatever else we're doing here seriously. It, 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 it matters, okay? Like, so we're not doing any of what we're doing uh, from our Sunday school classes 
if gathering, VBS, Sunday morning, prayer meetings, whatever. We're not doing all of these things because we need something to fill our religious calendar. Okay? Like, that's the point. I don't want any part of it. Okay? The bank repossessed this building. Like, we don't need to do any of this if that's the purpose for it. Okay? You guys are busy enough with other stuff. Don't fill the religious card with time stuff because who cares? Okay? Who cares? We have to have the, the, the message of the gospel clear in our hearts and clear out of our mouths and clear in our deeds uh, the, the message of the day of the Lord and the hope of the Messiah and the cross for the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection that confirms all of those things are true. We have to have these in our guts and have to take it seriously because it matters to the world. Okay, This is why the apostles preached it. This is why the apostles went to their death over these things, and this is why we have to preach it, okay? So what message do we have for the family of the six who were murdered? Stoney prayed it, Revelation 21 is what we tell them. We have the message of the day of the Lord, a day when the weapons used to kill are turned into farm equipment, and there's no more sadness, crying, or pain anymore. That's our message, okay? That's it. That's, that's all we got. Everything else is going to fall empty and flat. The hope of the gospel is real and tangible and, and people can hold on to it. Okay. What message do we have for uh, those like Audrey Hale or our media or our government or the pharmaceutical industry who have encouraged and supported people like her in their demonic delusions? What message do we have for them? We have the message of the terror of the day of the Lord, of God's wrath and judgment and punishment. Okay. The industries who put children on mind-melting drugs at an incredibly young age will face judgment. Okay? No one's getting away with anything. The governments that aim to normalize insanity as a positive good will face wrath. They will absolutely face wrath who celebrate these kinds of things. The media pundits who mock dead Christian kids will face punishment. It was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. This is the message of the day of the Lord, okay? We're not telling them, we have vengeance for you. We don't. But the Lord does. And it will be right, and it will be perfect. And and this is what we tell them. And what other message do we have for the wicked? It's the same message that I hope you believe for yourself. We also have the message of the cross for the mercy, uh, the mercy of God for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, and so we can, full of the love and mercy of God, tell people like Audrey, trapped in sexual sin with murderous hearts, we can tell them that God loves them, that God died on the cross for them, and if they will repent, they will be spared the wrath to come, and they will inherit eternal life, same as you and me. Okay, like you, it's you got to have the whole gospel message for everyone. Okay. And so I understand, especially living where we live, um, if the weight of the apostles' message doesn't hit us in all of its fullness in the course of everyday life, okay? Like, I'm going to venture and going through the grocery aisle. It might be hard to be like, okay, the day of the Lord is real. The cross before it is real. What did Sierra want me to get? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I get it. And so uh, it, I, I don't. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but it's almost a mercy that God allows these kinds of events to shake us awake to the reality of life and death and heaven and hell and the age to come. And like, like that's what they're for. And so I'm not, I don't want to be overly dramatic or whatever, but I just want to like our message matters. It matters that we know 
the gospel, okay? We, we don't want to do church games. Like, no one in here wants to do church games. Like, go home for... We don't want to do that, okay? God has a time-sensitive message for the world. God has a solution for evil, and we're commissioned to know it and to share it, okay? So we're going to keep plugging through it because it matters. It matters, okay? So our message began with the what, which was the day of the Lord with all of its glory and all of its terror, right? We, that, that horse is dead. We have beat it and beat it and beat it and beat it, okay? I'm going to keep beating it until the Lord, you know what I mean? Okay, then it moves to who, though, right? We got the what. It's the day of the Lord, the restoration of all things, the righteous rewarded, the wicked punished. Okay, now who? Who's going to do the day of the Lord? Who is going to reward the righteous with everlasting life in the age to come? And who's going to judge the wicked with everlasting contempt in a lake of fire? Like, who is responsible for these things? The apostles believe that it is God's appointed, God's anointed, God's Messiah in Hebrew, Christ in, in Greek. That those just mean those words just mean appointed or anointed, right? Like Christ is not, you know, you know this, it's not his last name. It's Jesus, the, the Christ, the anointed, the one God has chosen. So just listen to how the apostles just do this over and over. Peter Acts three, therefore repent that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, Peter in Acts 10, we just read it. He commanded us to preach to all the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Paul, Acts 17, God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by who? The man he has appointed, right? That he has chosen. So there's this expectation in the preaching of the apostles that God has a, a special someone, a Messiah or a Christ for this job called the day of the Lord with all of its blessing and all of its carnage. Okay. God's chosen someone um, to do this. And this is what they're preaching over and over and over and over and over. And so I think it's just a helpful exercise for you as a Christian to sit down, open up the Acts and just read all the sermons in Acts. Right? I think there's seven or eight sermons. They just and they're all short except for uh, Angel Face. Stephen, Stephen's sermon is really long, okay? But all the other ones are really short, and they're all just hitting these things over and over and over and over. And so you read that, and you get it in, into yourself. And the reason they all sound the same is because they've all got the same text, right? They've all got the same scriptures, and, and they all have the same expectation. So this expectation of an expected one doesn't come from thin air. It comes from their Bibles. Okay, so back at the beginning, which is a long time ago, after the, the powers in the heavens have rebelled and after Adam and Eve and man has rebelled, the Lord sets up this expectation uh, by preaching to the serpent. So this is the first sermon in your Bible to a snake. It says, cursed are you. You will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman or hostility between your offspring and hers. Then he says, he... So a male son, Zerah, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Okay? So do you, do you, any of you guys watch The Office? Did you ever watch The Office? Anybody? Michael asks, what's worse, a head injury or a foot injury? A head injury is much worse, right? He will, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. So death and wickedness have come into the world through sin, and God's answer to death and sin is to appoint a male child, okay? Like a child is God's solution to evil, and his work will be a crushing work 
that will undo everything that the serpent has, has brought into the world. Okay, So we're in Genesis 3. Right at the beginning, there's this expectation of a son who will fix everything. Um, this is where it starts with God announcing it. At the beginning, okay? So like God's plan to save the world doesn't start at Christmas. It starts like Genesis 3, right? Right after um, the fall. So in view of this, Adam and Eve hear hear this uh, interaction. What do they do next? They have children, right? Okay? They have children because the next child, this might be the anointed one. This might be the one that can get Mm -hmm. us back Mm -hmm. into... Um, the garden, this next child could be the one who could do the restoration and resurrection and red redemption and re whatever of all things. So they have Cain. Doesn't work out, right? Cain doesn't work out and it can't be able because. Because Cain, right? So they're they're out. So they have more children. Genesis four and Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son called his name Seth for she said God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, because Cain. And then at that time, so at the time of Seth, at, at the one appointed, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So Seth's a Hebrew word. It kind of sounds like appointed. It doesn't mean appointed. It just It sounds like it. So they name him Seth. What do they think Seth is appointed for? Serpent crushing, snake killing. This is what they think he is appointed for, to fix what went wrong. And so in the course of his of Seth's life, people begin to call on the name of the Lord. Why are they calling on the name of the Lord? Because they're longing for the promise of the seed to come true. Hey, it might be Seth. God, let it be Seth, right? Calling on his name. Well, eventually they determine it's not Seth. I don't know why. Seth's not the guy. Later in the line, a man named Lamech has a son named Noah. Noah's name means rest. Genesis 5.29, this one will bring us relief, rest from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the Lord, by, by the ground that the Lord has cursed. Okay, so you see what, what they're doing? Death has come into the world through sin. God has promised to bring relief through an appointed child. Here's another child. Let's name him Noah. He might bring rest and relief. All right. So the expectation, what the apostles are preaching, it, it's already here, all right? They're not saying God has appointed someone because it sounds cool, though it does sound cool. That's not why they're saying it. They just know what story they're part of. And they've spent, you know, three, not Paul, but the other ones, spent three years with this guy. They saw him killed. They saw him raised. They saw him ascend. And they're saying, that's the appointed one. That's the anointed one from Genesis 3, from Genesis 4, from Genesis 5 that we have been looking for. Okay? So you've got an expectation of a guy, of a, of a male son. But what about the expectation of the day of the Lord, right? He has set a day when he's going to judge the world by the man he has appointed. Where's that come from? Okay? Because Genesis, are we clear? Like there's an appointed seed in Genesis. They're like, all right, maybe this one, maybe this one, maybe this one. What about the expectation of the day? That he does this stuff. That's here too. Okay. Genesis 5. 21. Enoch. A man so pleasing to God. That he didn't taste death. He's just. Took a walk. And that was it. Okay. Like I don't. Cool figure. Um, He's joining the people. And calling on the name of the Lord. And longing for an appointed serpent. To to come and crush the. the, Unanointed serpent. I guess that comes later in the story. (laughs) Uh, an anointed son to crush the serpent, and he has a vision uh, about the day the son uh, arrives, okay? So this is just super cool. If, if uh, you like cool things, you will like this. Jude, so, and Jude writes it down for us. So Jude's a New Testament 
um, letter, Jude says, I want to remind you that Jesus saved the people out of Egypt. Okay. Uh, do without what you will. Jesus saved the people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. So in Jude's mind, Exodus is a preview of the day of the Lord, right? Wrath and punishment for the wicked, rescue for um, the, and restoration for the righteous. Uh, and the angels who did not keep their position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment when... On the great day, okay, so Jude's carrying the same story. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and surrounding towns committed sexual morality and perversions. And they serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Okay, so great, cool story about Jesus and the Exodus and all, all the stuff. What's that got to do with Enoch and Genesis? Verse 14, it was about these, he writes. So about those who don't believe, wicked angels, sexual immoral, perverse, the whole Bit, it was about the wicked that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied. Look, okay? So at the time, at that time, right, in, in Seth's life and Enoch's life, wickedness, like leaven, is increasing and it's growing in the earth, right? Because we're Genesis 5. What happens in Genesis 6? The flood, yeah, right? Like... Like, it's just going to be too much, and the Lord's going to, all right, we're, we're reset, okay? So Genesis 5, wickedness is increasing. People are calling on the name of the Lord, and at this time, Enoch has a vision, and look at his vision. He says, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones. Why? To execute judgment on all and convict all the ungodly concerning the ungodly acts they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. Enoch sees that in Genesis chapter 5. Right? So at the very beginning of the story, there's an expectation of an anointed one and there's an expectation of the day of the Lord. Right? It's not a new thing. Like, Enoch is seeing these things. Okay? The day of the Lord, administered by God's appointed son, isn't new to the story. It's embedded at the very beginning, at the latest, just seven generations from Adam. And at the time, you know, they're living 900 years, so they, like, know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> these things. So when the apostles stand up and they say, God has set a day... And that Jesus is the one appointed to execute that day. They're just next in line of a long line of those who've been saying the same thing. Telling the same story that God has appointed a son from the woman who will save the world. Okay? Do you know that? God's going to save the world? Okay, okay. And the apostles then, following that expectation, are just declaring that Jesus is that appointed son. Jesus is that Messiah promised. And he has set a day when he will judge the world by this man. Easy, clear, simple, okay. And so we have to do the same thing, guys. Like, just our simple message is God's going to save the world, okay? The devil doesn't get the world, okay? The enemy doesn't get the world. Sin doesn't get the world. Death doesn't get the world. God's going to save the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We'll live forever, okay? God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him, right? Easy? Got that? You got to tell people that. You got to tell yourself that. You have to have the message, okay? So if you don't, Monday ends you, okay? It, it just does. Or, or just the, not even extreme things. Just the daily grind of this age 
gets you. But if you got the message and you remind yourself of it and you surround yourself with, I don't know, a church and, and groups that can remind you of it, you can stay on the path and actually inherit it. Okay? We have to have, have the message. Okay? So... Now that it gets a little bit weird, but we just go with it. Not only is there an expectation of an appointed son who's going to save the world. Um, as the, the story of, of the Bible moves on, the expectation grows that this anointed seed of the woman is also a king, which is cool, to an appointed people. Okay, so now he's like now it's like God's doing ethnic things, which is odd, but it's what it is. So you move out of Adam, um, Eve, Noah, Enoch, flood, Babel, the whole bit. You get to Abraham's story, right? Babel's Genesis 11. Abraham's story starts in Genesis 12. Very good. Okay. Um, and, and, and it's Abraham's story and God's choosing of Abraham's line to carry this seed. It's going to bring blessing to all the nations um, of the earth where formerly there had only been cursing, right? Blessing and cursing. Abraham, your family will bless um, all the nations. So Genesis uh, 22, he says, I will surely bless you. I will multiply your offspring. Okay, so just pick up. As the stars of the heavens, your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And then your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So we've got a, a kingly son of Abraham. His offspring, his seed will crush the wicked, right? Will possess the gates of his enemies and reward the righteous. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through this seed from Abraham's family. It's following. If you're part of the nations of the earth, this is important for you to understand. Okay. All right. You Gentiles. All right. Genesis 49. The king thing gets picked up even more. Um, Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Does that sound like Genesis 3? He will crush your head. Uh, the, verse 10. The scepter, because he's a king, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of all the peoples. Okay, all the nations of the earth are going to worship this one king who's part of this one nation. Yes, understood. Okay, all right. So the same hope that that of a son that's a king that's in Abraham's uh, line from Eve gets clearer at the time of David and and Solomon. So we're in. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible too much, David's the guy who took the stone. And killed a giant. You know that story? Okay, well he becomes a king later. Very cool. Okay. Um, and at the end of his life, a prophet comes to him and says, 2 Samuel 7, I will raise up your offspring. There it is again. After you, who shall come from your body, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Are we telling the same story from Genesis 3? Okay, same same story. So the expectation from Genesis has now caught up to David. And then David, because this is what he does, he puts that expectation of an anointed son and an anointed king, he puts it to music. Right? Psalm 2, the kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel against who? Against the Lord and against his anointed. Okay? The wicked kings of the earth, who are wicked because they're aligning with the seed of the serpent and becoming his seed, they rage against God's appointed king. They rage against the seed of the woman, the seed from Abraham, the seed from David. And they say, let us burst their bonds apart. Let us cast their cords 
away from us. Then he, verse 5, then he, the father, will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury and say, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So in Jerusalem, the city that's promised to Abraham, David, and their family forever, from which blessing and glory will flow, Genesis 22, the Lord sets his king there. Okay? They're, they're casting, um, hey, I've set my king on Zion, my, my holy hill. This is where he will rule from. Verse 7, the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Verse 12, then David says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Okay? So doesn't Psalm 2.12 sound like Peter and Paul's sermons in, in Acts? Right? Kiss the son, lest he be angry. Repent, therefore, because he has said a day, right? Like, they're just, it's the same thing over and over and over, all right? It's, you know, their message is God has a guy who has a day. <laughs> and this guy is from Eve, he's from Abraham, he's from David, and he will rule the nations as king from the city of the great king. Psalm 89 that Amanda read this morning. Uh, we're going to read it again because it's awesome. And we were reading, where's Grant? Is Grant gone? Oh, man, Amanda, you read this, and you got to the best part, and Grant's like, <laughs> I've made a covenant with my chosen, right, my anointed. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your seed, Genesis 3, Genesis 12, forever. I will build up your throne to all generations. I will crush his adversaries. What did God say to the serpent? Crush his head, right? I will crush... Use adversaries. He will cry to me, you are my father. I will make him my firstborn, the highest of all the kings of the earth. Psalm 132, David keeps singing, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He's desired it for his dwelling, saying, this is my resting place forever. And here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it here in Zion, Jerusalem. I will make a horn grow for David and set up my lamp for my anointed one. So we've got anointed son, anointed uh, king, anointed people, and now like an anointed city. God says, here I'm going to dwell. Here, this is what I've desired. And if you think about it, this makes sense, right? If God is going to, Revelation 21, dwell on the earth, where is he going to live? Dallas? <laughs> right? Like, he, no, that's not what he, he didn't say. I've chosen Dallas and I've desired it for my dwelling. This is my resting place forever, right? Toronto, here I will sit enthroned. No, it's a Zion, Jerusalem. I'm gonna, my anointed king is going to sit here and the nations will rage against him. He's going to crush them with a rod of iron. That just makes sense. Isaiah 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of all the mountains and all the nations shall flow to it and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. And that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion, where God's anointed from Psalm 2 shall rule from. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. And he shall decide disputes for many peoples. And when he is in charge and acknowledged as king. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Okay? The Cain and Abel bit. We're not doing that anymore. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. 
This is the expectation of, of the appointed one. Okay, God has set a day by the man he has appointed. All this is in their minds. Okay? Like it's not a random thing. It's not a new, new sermon the apostles are preaching. They're preaching what they were taught. What was handed down to them. Okay? From the beginning, God has an appointed son and king who will rule the earth from a specific place and bring blessing to the whole earth. And this is how the New Testament starts, right? Luke 1, he will be great. The angel comes to Mary. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. No end. No end. So I don't really have a a big application for this um, except to tell you that God has picked someone to save the world. And and um, it's not <laughs> Philippians two. It's not by accident that God has chosen Jesus. Philippians 2. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Okay, didn't use it to his advantage. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this is the life Jesus lives. And so Paul says, therefore, because Jesus lived this way, right? Which is, because the, the point I'm trying to make, this guy's going to rule the earth, okay? He, he's going to, he's the king. And he's not like any other king ever who uses their kingship for their own advantage to crush people. Like, this is the guy you want in charge. He's, he, he, he's the servant of all people. He loves all people. He gives himself for all people. And because he proved it to his father in perfect obedience to him, perfect love towards all men on a cross, therefore, he gets to be king. Right? It like it. God didn't. He didn't just like, hey, you're going to be the king. He earned this thing. Okay. Therefore, in view of this, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The glory of God. Like. He's the guy because he earned it. Because he did it right. And so you can put your trust in him. Okay? You don't have to wonder, what is Jesus like? Can I trust him as, as Lord of my life? Can I trust him as Lord of all the earth? You can. You, like, he proved it. Like, there's nothing left for him to do for, to, to earn your trust. Like, you are either going to give it to him or you're not. You're either going to bow your knee to him now, or you're going to bow your knee to him on that day. But he lives, has nothing left to prove. He's lived in perfect obedience, perfect humility, unto the point of death, 
for the sake of the world. And so the, the application, here's an application, repent. Put your trust in him, bow your knee on that day, receive the blessing of resurrection, come back to life and live forever on an earth where there's no more war anymore. That's good. Okay. Um, If we have the musicians come come up, I just want to read one more scripture. Isaiah 40, 9 through 11. Here was my application. We preach this to the world. How about that? Isaiah 40, 9 through 11. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Good news, gospel. This is, where the, this is the first use of gospel in the Bible, is Isaiah. Herald of the gospel. Lift up your voice with strength. Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm. Because the arm of the Lord, didn't, I ran out of time. That has messianic implications, right? Like, like God could open the heavens and just do the bit himself. He says, my arm's going to do it. My anointed, my, okay. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, his recompense before him. And then he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms like Anne. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead with those who are young. So this is the message. Heralds of good news, lift up your voice with strength. Say, behold, the Lord comes with might. His arm rules for him with reward and recompense and all the rest. And he will tend his flock like a shepherd, gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, gently lead those who are young. He commanded us to preach and to testify to the people that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And everyone who believes in him will receive the forgiveness of sins through his name. Hallelujah. Okay. So I'm going to invite our elders up now. Uh, we're going to go into a time of uh, prayer. You guys can, we can pray for anything. Okay. You got stuff going on you want to pray for. Encourage you pray with these men. Uh, you have not bowed your knee to Jesus. You have not put your trust in Jesus. Let's, let's do business with God right now. Let's do that now. Come up. Let's get saved today. Okay? Um, if you're not praying with an elder, go pray with someone else. Pray in your group. The only thing you can't do right now is check out. Okay? We're just having a prayer meeting now. So so uh, let's do that. One, two, three, pray. Okay?